What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest peer review of Shung Shi. I am, of course, one of your hosts, Matt, and today I am joined by my great cast, Alex. Hello there, people. And Tiffany. The Ten Rings are super cool. Oh, but they are, but they are. So, of course, we are the three that make up RXP. We are three working professionals that want to tell you all about our love for movies, TV shows, and video games. And today, the three of us have watched Shang-Chi this past weekend, and we're going to have spoilers everywhere. So if you if you don't want to hear spoilers before watching Shang-Chi, turn it off, keep it downloaded, watch it. You, know, listen, you can listen to the podcast on your way home from the theater, but go watch this movie because it's quite a ride. But we are going to have spoilers everywhere. So this is your last chance to cut it off. And see us next time. All right, all right, we're getting into it, guys. We gave him, we gave him like five seconds. We got it. So let's talk all about Shang Chi. This is, of course, the latest uh, part of the MCU. It has a brand new character, brand new Avenger that we get to look at. Um, a fantastic new, I would say maybe not mystical, but like almost like an ancient mystic. Uh, powers that were seen kind of different than WandaVision and what we've seen from some other Avengers but now this this just new area of the MCU that's unfolding uh, we got to experience it all all three of us were able to see it in cinemas which is fantastic and felt amazing Um, I just want to get some overall thoughts just bare bones just to prime us up for this conversation Tiffany I know you are raring to go tell me what you thought about Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. This movie was fantastic. It's a story about family and it's a story about an Asian experience and I'm all about it. As an Asian American, I felt seen in this movie. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Family. A lot better than F9, I think. Alex, what did you think? Oh man, that random shade there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my takeaways, I honestly can't find anything wrong with this. I didn't, nothing in the movie really turned me off. I mean, there, I had some things where I thought could have been done better, but besides that, nothing was really at fault. So I think this is definitely a flawless movie for the most part for, for me. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. Um, Tiffany and I were actually able to see it together, um, leading into my birthday weekend's. Um, it's nice that the uh, United States of America gives us off a day near my birthday every year <laughs> yeah. around Labor Day just for me. Yeah. Um, so you're welcome, everybody. Um, but it was a great primer into the weekends. Um, I was, I think I was smiling the entire time. Like this, this movie was just more than I expected, honestly. I expected it to be great because most of MCU overall is good to great. And it just kind of met all my expectations and, and, and more so. Um, but just kind of starting off, I want to get more on what you guys loved about this movie. Things that you think that this added to the MCU, maybe things, you know, Tiffany, you've already talked about how actually both of you are two uh, Asian Americans and how this kind of adds to um, what you feel with just loving the MCU. What do you think that this added to the MCU? What were kind of your your favorite parts of the movie? Well, in terms of adding to the MCU, I just want to like start off 
for the most part in just the locales. Uh-huh. Because previously in the MCU, you know, there have been parts like Avengers Age of Ultron. We visited South Korea. And also, I guess, for the most part, if you want to count things like the Captain America movies and Black Widow, you know, we went to Russia, which is also in Asia. But it felt like a lot of the time, a lot of Asian locales on planet Earth were skipped over. You know, we got brief glimpses in these other other movies, but a lot of this is, you know, in Europe, in the Americas, in Africa. And so it felt mm-hmm. like just a whole continent was prime for the picking. And a lot of this movie, we got to see it, right? We got to see these inspired locales, right? And specifically, right, Macau, and then wherever the compound was, which was never disclosed, I don't think, in just some random part in Asia. But we got to see more of that scenery, and I think that is the biggest ad that we got from this movie, is that we get to explore more of this world, right? A lot of people love Wakanda. A lot of people love America. You know, go USA. But... There's more to it than that, right? The world is a lot bigger than these two places, especially for the MCU being such a globally inspired series of movies slash, you know, media content. So I thought that was the biggest ad that they added for the entire universe. And hopefully moving forward, we will get to see more of these locations, right? More interesting takes on these specific, you know, how these, you know, gangs in a la the 10 rings are influencing the area and kind of seeing can we get some more cool locales to fight in, especially even Ling Ling's, you know, fighting arena at the top of a skyscraper. That was really cool to see too. So I just thought, yeah, the locations were very well done, even though we did start in a great American city of San Francisco, but you know, we got, we got there in the end. When you said Ling Ling, do you mean Zhao Ling? Yeah, but they call her Ling Ling like as a nickname. Like they, they call her Ling Ling. Do they? Yeah, Alex is very comfortable with that person. <laughs> <laughs> They're on a first name basis. Are you sure? Like, okay, I don't know. There, I mean, I'm not. There is a there is one point where Sean calls her Ling Ling, or is that like the name for sister in Chinese? I uh, it might be. I don't. I'm I don't. Not, we're not Chinese, you know. For the record, <laughs> we are Korean American. So if That's that true. is, okay. then that is. I've heard Ling Ling. Ling Ling uh, was a line that was recited in the movie. Okay, um, so kind of building off what Alex said, I I do think that this helped a lot with like world building, um, getting these the this new set of characters, this really diverse cast, and closing the loop on like Trevor Slattery's character from Iron Man three, like the fact that he was woven into the story pretty effort- effortlessly, and mm-hmm. he didn't overstay his welcome was really nice. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of the times, um, some concerns that Asian movies have is like, you know, this this Caucasian character that ends up like saving the day almost. You know, there's been a lot of instances, you know, movies like The Last Samurai and stuff like that. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, you know. <laughs> you know no, I mean, no hate on that, but that's sort of like a lot of the times, a lot of Asian movies sometimes have a character that, is Caucasian that ends up like saving the day. Trevor was just there as an, um, an asset to help guide, you know, the team to Tallow with 
adorable Morris. Morris needs to be protected at all costs. So cute. I, how The fact that Disney can make a character without a freaking face and still make him lovable is outrageous uh-huh. to me. Like, legit, they're masterminds. They have psychoanalysts available to, like, know what audiences love and merchandising. They are king. But anyway, um, I you know, thought... You know they designed it just so that they didn't have to put in the materials to put a face on it. They're like, how can we make something cheaper? Oh that my is God. where Morris's <laughs> design came from. You know, side note, actually, I found out that apparently there's a Chinese like folk creature that actually sort of looks... Like it looks like a bunch of chicken legs together without a face. Also, like I, chicken legs. Yeah, it's just it looks like a bunch of drumsticks together, like six sets of or three sets of legs. I don't know. It looks really strange, but apparently it is based off creatures. You know, obviously, um, the nine a nine tails showed up, which is very popular in Asian folklore. Some people were like, mm-hmm. "Is that a Pokemon?" Um, like, uh, Pokemon was inspired by a mythical creature called a nine tails. So you know, Korean um folk tales have that as well but i just i loved getting a quote-unquote different universe within our universe because talo is in like another realm or something that was really cool and i thought um getting a nice like diverse class or cast Mm -hmm. that showcased another type of family in america is also really awesome i really like that yeah because kind of like what I said is now I feel like phase four is really hitting hard. Like they started in phase three, but phase four especially, I feel like they're getting past just like the physical universe. Mm-hmm. Like they had the physical universe with Thanos. Doctor Strange came around. Then WandaVision really kind of showed kind of like this mystic arts, which yeah. is just unearthing so many comics. But this is this is different. I feel like this is different. And I kind of hope that they keep going on this. Um, like every part of Talo, like leading up to it, then they had to go through the waterfall, which like almost tra- they it transported them to a different universe. They said mm-hmm. this, like this to me is setting up for something a little bit beyond space and time and the physical earth, which I'm very excited for because we don't know who the big bad of phase four is going to be. Like we're kind of thinking it's King the Conqueror and why not? Why can't King have these types of settings that we're kind of experiencing in these in these one-off films um and i'm i'm just really really excited about it and honestly uh shang chi fantastic i i thinking back on it this is how i felt when i watched black panther like black panther was one fantastic setting just opened a huge different setting for the MCU. But two, Black Panther was someone that I was excited to see in the main films. And Shang-Chi is the same way. Um, I think that uh, Simu Liu did fantastic. And I think he's going to be a great asset to the MCU, especially when you think about it. Captain America, Iron Man, they're both gone. And, you know, even though there is a new Captain America... I feel like they're going to have to really heavily rely on Simu Liu as Shang-Chi as kind of like a person that is going to be kind of a a steady, um, funny, but like also just a really awesome character. Uh, Anyway, any other thoughts on things you loved? Oh, and we can talk all about Morris. I actually saw that uh, Morris in Lego form. Like, they have what? a Shang-Chi Lego set, and, yeah. like, Morris is, like, this just, like, it's, like, a nude color, like, a little guy. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really funny. I love <laughs> but that. But Trevor and Morris, I I love, 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 love all of that. 
I really, one thing that I thought was also a wonderful highlight is like, I the platonic friendship between Katie and Shang-Chi. I loved seeing a different type of relationship in in an MCU movie because mm. they're just really good friends. You know, she keeps reinforcing Katie's like, I've been your friend for 10 years. Like, how do I, how do you have like a secret life? The fact that he just, you know, goes to his Katie's family's house and is very familiar with them and like mm-hmm. eats their food. Like it's very family oriented. Like he has a whole nother family within another family, you know, family yeah and the fact that it really showcased a house an asian household where they have different generations within a household which is like a lot of um asian cultures do do that and then i really thought the fact that another friend had kind of mentioned it to me that katie almost played like a louise type character louise from ant-man when they're like reliving like stories together and like yeah. they're really talking like a regular character. I feel like I really felt like this is the first time that we saw a bunch of like what we thought was regular people doing normal daily things in the MCU, which was hilarious. Like even Shang-Chi talking about when he was in high school that he was being bullied essentially for being Asian because someone said like yo what up Gangnam style and he's like I'm not Korean and it's like stuff <laughs> like that's literally very relatable and then Katie going off on this tangent about singing Hotel California which I love the payoff at the end with or multiple times with that joke like they really bring it like almost yeah. everything in this movie was tied in together which was so amazing like even callbacks to the mom's fighting Shang-Chi's mom's fighting style multiple times mm-hmm. you know with that same with your foot the three-quarter circle foot thing yeah. multiple times i also the fact i i'm just gonna go off on a really long tangent right now because also the fact that the first like 20 minutes of the movie was it completely in chinese like that was wild and i mm-hmm. and i loved it because it showed a very um it showed like it was a normal thing, you know. And then when mm-hmm. even when Simu re meets up with his sister in Macau, he immediately reverts back to Chinese because that's just how they communicate, you know. Like in the middle of their fight, mm-hmm. like I thought that was great. It's a very bold choice in that, right? Honest, obviously, you know, the MCU is geared towards the global audience, and so it is something that, right especially living in America, we think, oh yeah, everything's going to be English. We can all understand it. But the fact that this movie decided to do that and start the whole thing with it being in Chinese for the first 20 minutes. So for at least the majority of America having to just read subtitles, which I don't know how many Americans are used to having to do that, right? Because most movies are in English, I think is that stepping stone to say, hey, we're going beyond, right? Not just within the MCU and the characters we've already presented, but just the fact that, right, like this world is a bigger place. You know, there's 7 billion people, over 7 billion Mm -hmm. people on this planet. We speak, you know, what, 200, 300 plus different languages. Who knows how many variants of these languages exist, but it shows, hey, we're not afraid to tell the story and also tell the story in the way that it should be told and not necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, as they might say in the past, whitewash it and like, you know, use white actors or use it, just English and everything to to make it appeal to a certain audience. So I really appreciate the kind of authenticity that that was adding to the film. Because mm-hmm. it, it kind of reminds me the way you're talking about it is um, Parasite's director, Bong Joon-ho, he like talked in his acceptance speech 
of once you overcome the one inch tall barrier of subtitles, you'll be introduced to many more amazing films. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because that to me, like, even like this is now kind of recent news is with um, Train to Busan. Yeah. That is an amazing film and they're bringing it to Hollywood. And to me, I'm almost like, but why? Because that film is so great. You just have to watch it in Korean subtitles, which I have no problem with. Um, I, I wish a, many more American moviegoers wouldn't be scared by that. And maybe this is a way to kind of like almost um, make it to the forefront. Because like if you if I tell you my favorite part of the film was actually the antagonist, um, the new Mandarin or the actual Mandarin. Yeah. Um, Tony Long. Um, I might be just, yeah, just botching that name. Um, But this is actually his Hollywood debut. He has only been in um, international Chinese films. And he's like one of like the most well-known Chinese actors, but he's never made it onto the Hollywood stage. And to me, he probably had the most relatable and like heart-provoking story because this shows a man, and we've talked a little bit, some of our past peer reviews, um, being WandaVision, talking about the power of grief and how the power of grief makes, it could easily make a protagonist like Wanda become an antagonist based upon that. And for me, the the best part of that story is that you can't help but feel for him as he's just grieving his wife that he loves and that to like build off of that grief, he turns into this guy that just wants all the power. Um, so it's, it was sad, but it was also really great. And in a, in a similar sense to uh, Black Panther, the main antagonist of that film, very relatable. You can see where he's coming from. This wasn't just a dude that's like, I want to watch the world burn because I'm evil. Like, yeah. there was none of that. Like, there was actual thought to why he wanted to do what he did. Um, so to me, this just shows like, yeah, MCU is great, but it's a small bucket in this huge world that has been enjoying movies for years. Yeah, and then honestly, the introduction to their love story being this fight sequence, can I just say Mm -hmm. the fight sequences were so good and really easy to follow? I feel like a lot of action movies do a lot of shaky cam, but I Mm -hmm. felt like I could literally follow a lot of the actors as they were fighting. And part of me wonders if it's because a lot of them maybe did their own stunts so that they didn't have to cut away to like a stuntman. But I thought the action was so expertly filmed and such a joy to watch. And every scene, every fight scene got more intense and better and better. Like at the end when the rings are being when Shang-Chi uses the rings almost as like jumping platforms in his battle with his father I was like oh my god like I wasn't even thinking about the way the rings could be used I I want to bring up because you're talking about you know we're praising Shang-Chi we're praising like that side of the character but obviously the title the movie itself is more than just Shang-Chi it's Shang-Chi and the legend of the ten rings Mm-hmm. And so with Tiffany's point of bringing up the fact that, you know, even the rings were incorporated into the fight scene choreogra- choreography, I think just the rings themselves were s- probably, at least for me, the most interesting, I guess, MacGuffin or artifact or whatever you want to call it that has appeared in the MCU. Like the Infinity Stones, eh, who cares? Those things, whatever, you know, manipulate time and space. Eh, that's, you know, been there, done that. But these rings, right? 
we don't know the extent of their power. You know, obviously we had the post credit scene or mid credit scene, I guess, where it was talking about saying these things are old. These things are older than anything else, any other technology that they've, you know, researched in the past, right? A la Captain Marvel and Dr. Bruce Banner showing up. And I just love how the rings themselves were utilized in both the storytelling, like the form and the function. Because one, very cool, very good sound effects. Man, what good sound effects. Very good visuals. Love the energy with it. Love, you know, the obviously the blue and yellow kind of uh opposing colors but also just the storytelling that was conveyed with them right especially you know this is something that uh sean's father uses and it's what is most of his power right and obviously part of his regret as we turn out to to learn because he gives them up and what he decides to say that if he never gave them up then his wife never would have passed and then all the way up until the end right of learning to accept that he made the wrong choice and to then finally, you know, bequeath them to Sean such that, right, he can, you know, use them and then correct basically his own problems, his own mistakes. And so I just love the form and function that the rings provide. And I'm super interested to see how these things are involved going in the future, right? Because especially with that mid-credit scene, it's, you know, as they say, a beacon for something that they don't know what. So I think the the legend of the Ten Rings, the Ten Rings themselves, are definitely going to have a major part in the future of the MCU. Because I was almost wondering, and this was a part that I didn't anticipate, when they talked about the Ten Rings, I started reading a little bit more about the Mandarin as a, uh, a villain within the comics. And he did have Ten Rings, but those Ten Rings were actually rings that you put on your fingers. And they had different... Um, like these rings looked like they were basically just kind of like more of a brute, brute force um, powers. They could throw them, they could step on them, they could do whatever. But the 10 rings that the Mandarin would have like did like more elemental things. There was fire, there was ice, dark, light, like all these things. And I'm, I'm almost wondering, because I would prefer them to be kind of what they were in the comics. And I almost wonder if they're only more of like concussive blast because... Shang-Chi's dad was using them in that way and maybe he didn't really unlock that true potential so I'm I'm hoping and this is more for the future that when we go back to him maybe he's kind of unlocked the full potential and he can kind of use them more of an elemental way because that to me would be so much more interesting than just using them as like uh you know a precursor or like a you know just throwing them at people is yeah. kind of like some random because we already have that in black panther right like a lot of black yeah. panther's suit is that absorb energy repel energy effect yeah. and you know what better way to add the avatar the last airbender you know to the mcu than via the 10 rings yeah there were so many dragon ball z vibes throughout this I mean, movie, it was oh yeah, fantastic. even the Kamehameha <laughs> reference, you know, right yeah. in there, right, right towards the end. One of the things that, you know, in the in your little um, soliloquy, Alex, you kept call or like you went in between calling him Shang Chi and Sean. Can we like I, <laughs> the conversation on the plane when <laughs> Katie's like, you change your name from Shang to Sean. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> like that conversation was so funny to me. 
um, because a lot of people or a lot of Asian people who have Asian names sometimes adopt, you know, English names when they come to America. And then just the kind of the the style of that conversation coming off of a weird interaction with or not weird but like you know the ta- the standard interaction you have with a stewardess like her interrupting a flashback mm-hmm. i thought was really funny because like where i'm getting at with what i'm saying is that i thought flashbacks in this movie was done so well they mixed it throughout the story to give us information piece by piece and i thought they were very well paced i love the use of flashbacks in this yeah. movie so we talked a lot about what we like, and I feel like if we don't can it a little bit, we'll just keep going. Because I feel like overall we're very high on this movie, but I want to give us a little bit of time to talk about things maybe we didn't. Like I know, Alex, you said there wasn't much or maybe not at all things that you didn't like about this movie, but let's maybe open up the floor to see, is there anything that you maybe weren't completely jiving with? Tiffany, let's start with you. My biggest sadness in this movie, because I, I also have little to complain, but I felt like it was perpetuating the Asian stereotype, but that a daughter isn't as important as like a firstborn son. So for me, I felt sad that really we didn't see an interaction between... um. Jai Ling and her father like pretty much at all throughout the entire movie like she even tells Katie when Katie's like what do I do is your dad gonna kill me she's like just don't speak and nod and just he'll forget you're there mm-hmm. you know even when they get off the helicopter when when Wu has collected everybody to like bring him back to the compound all he says is my son has returned home he didn't say mm-hmm. my children are home you know what I mean like that's the biggest sadness I have for this particular character, especially because even at the very end during the battle, like Shang-Chi and Wenwu have a battle and they talk, like sort of like yell it out at each other. Literally the next time Jai Ling sees her father, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that was very unfortunate. And I, I, and granted, obviously like clearly the movie shows Jai Ling doesn't need anybody. She built an yeah. empire starting at 16. She's a strong and independent woman. And at the end of the movie, we see her taking over the Ten Rings. And the movie ends with the Ten Wings return. That's like a double meeting. You know, we're like, is it, Sh- is it Shang-Chi? Is it Jai Ling? Like, we have no idea. But, you know, she clearly doesn't need anybody. But I really would have liked a moment between Jai Ling and her father. Hmm. Alex, anything to add? Not to say that I disagree, but I think because the movie is called Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, that there is kind of that natural expectation of most of the storytelling is going to be related to Sean and the Ten Rings themselves and kind of like how he comes to earn them. So, But I do commiserate the, the, with the feeling that there are a lot of characters that are introduced. And so this is always the problem of like, you look at, you know, the Avengers, all the Avengers movies and saying, how do you give every character enough screen time, especially in those movies where they're all major characters on their own right. And so it's very hard to be fair to say, hey, this character has a total of five minutes versus the other character gets a total of 20, you know? And so mm-hmm. exploring those stories is difficult. And I think because of how the movie was originally geared and because this is more of an origin story, that it makes sense to me. But I do agree with Tiffany in that I hope that her story, Xiaoling's story, gets more development and we see more of her, 
I guess, growth and also just importance, right? Like she isn't a throwaway, you know, obviously at the end with the post credit scene, uh, or I say mid credit, I, I mix up the post credits and mid credits, but with the mid credit scene of Katie and Sean being beckoned by Wong, which by the way, I forgot to mention Wong was great. He was a great part. Love his, Fantastic. Love his appearance, especially at the end. Uh, but the fact that it seems like Katie and Sean are at least very important moving forward, which seems obvious. Albeit, I don't know why Katie should be there, but you know, maybe she mm-hmm. proves her worth later on. And I agree. Just like, I'm confused as to why she's. Is she going to become a Hawkeye? You know what I mean. I'm like, why is Katie there? Yeah, we know. don't. We don't need Haley Steinfeld. We don't need Kate Bishop. What is? Who cares? <laughs> we have Katie. Yeah, we have Katie. Yeah, there you go. Katie over Kate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something I look forward to. And I hope not to say that she gets her entire own movie, but if she's important, she continues to show up. And I think that's the biggest thing is that we get so many great characters in every MCU movie. In this case, right, we have, you know, Shang-Chi, we have Katie, and then we have Xiaoling. So I hope all three of them can continue moving forward. Even the Romanian guy, right? He never, he didn't die. He's there at the end in the post credits scene. You know, I like his blade arm. Razor yeah. fist. Yeah, pretty sweet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's razor fist. Yeah, he, he's super cool. So I hope all these characters continue on. Uh, and in terms of things that I think we're lacking, in, yeah, it's very hard for me to pinpoint something. Because I think there are things I would say that, weren't great but they just didn't Mm -hmm. detract they weren't so bad that they detracted from the movie uh mostly i want to point out the plane scene that tiffany mentioned before i actually wasn't the biggest fan i think it was a good way to introduce that flashback moment because it makes sense right it's a literal lull in the movie right it's like we have to get from san francisco to macau obviously that takes time what a perfect way to fill in the time with this flashback as tiffany said amazing pacing but i thought the joke with the stewardess was a little bit too drawn out i wasn't (laughs) the biggest fan of her being like beef or vegetarian and then when they're like both vegetarian and then she's like oh we're out of vegetarian so we only have the beef and then they're like so give just give me the beef (laughs) there's no option i'm like you're laughing as you're retelling it okay i know you're joking I understand the joke, but it's also the absurdity of the joke where I'm like, okay, I mean, I could have just done with the flashback and with, you know, Aquafina saying Gina, you know, that's a great <laughs> thing. Gina and Gina, what a great, you know, ad lib or line. See, but you say this, but quick story time. Went to the cafeteria this past week. Um, I ordered this thing called barbecue tots, right? So I, I ordered barbecue tots. There's pulled pork on tots. That's amazing. It's a great way to, you know, decrease your lifespan. Um, I was sitting, you know, I was standing right in front of the pickup window. The guys, you know, were cooking the food and they were looking at me. And people went to get their food, like, over the next 10 to 15 minutes. Nothing was happening with barbecue tots. So I, I went up and I was like, hey, um, have you seen an order for barbecue tots? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're out of barbecue, man. Um, I couldn't I couldn't see you. I couldn't find you. And I was like, oh, uh, I, I was stand, standing right there. No biggie. And he's like, okay, cool. Um, so what do you, uh, what do we do with this? And I'm like, can I get something else <laughs> so to me it like almost gave me a flashback to that because it was like wow art mimics life 
Well, I didn't have that moment. So for me, I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to deal with this stewardess. Get out of my movie, stewardess. This is two precious minutes that could have been spent on Xiaolei. That's yeah, all I'm saying. That's true. He's not wrong. Matt, did you true. have anything that you wanted, I, wanted to fix? See, in Zhao Ling, I actually think that she's going to play more of an important part after this. Because if you remember with um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the power broker was on the phone talking to someone. And there's no way the power broker rose to power and Zhao Ling rose to power that those two didn't interact. So I almost wonder that when the power broker gets reintroduced into the MCU, Zhao Ling also will get introduced. Almost like if there's like some sort of underworld of like these mob bosses. I think it would be fantastic because honestly, she's a fantastic character and it would be a shame to waste her any other way. So I hope she does get her own stuff. Um, the person I don't want to really come back or maybe to have a little bit of rework is actually Katie. And I, I don't know if this is going to be bold, but... I think that Katie wasn't written very well. Oh. And I, I think I enjoy Katie as a character and a personality. And I I like her more than, say, a Darcy. But oh. I feel like Darcy Darcy is written well. And Darcy has the, the, um, the way Darcy is written makes sense. And it, it adds to the film or adds to the show. Katie... While I enjoy her character more at baseline, I just don't think that she's implemented well into the story. Like, I feel like a lot of her comedic relief made almost everything come to a stop at times. And it just, like, didn't really add, but kind of, like, detracted from the focused, you know, uh, the story. And in retrospect, like, I think Trevor and Morris, that just added to it. Like, that sort of comedic relief was fantastic and katie it's like why why is she important she's a friend of shang chi but she's not she's not going to be better than kate bishop or hawkeye <laughs> so huh like Kate I, over I just, katie i think that they're kind of focusing too much on her and i think aquafina did as good as she could have done i just don't think that the writers did well by her and so they can definitely change it around. Like, I don't think I was a huge fan of Darcy in, in the first Thor. And now I, I think Darcy is one of my favorite, like, buddy cop, like, B-rate actors. Um, but, like, I would <laughs> I would not put Luis in the same sentence as Katie. Because oh, Luis, okay. from the beginning, okay. has been supreme. I'm actually doing an MCU rewatch right now and just watch Ant-Man. And I'm like, this is how you write a B-rank character okay, let's, in the MCU. Let's not call them B-rank. Let's just say non-powered. Let's say non-powered character. B B is for buddy. A is for Avenger. Okay. It's a B-rank. Not okay. as a, it's not derogatory. It's just they're just buddies. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't speak Matt, but Yeah, exactly. Can we talk about the cameos in this movie in the sense of sure. like in Macau? So, when we're getting first of all, when we get into this like fight club, right? Can I just say the line said by john john when katie says my chinese sucks and he goes don't worry i speak abc first of all the the dual meaning behind it is freaking fantastic abc as in english but also i don't know if many people know this but abc is a slang term for american-born chinese so (laughs) i loved that line because i 
I, the dual meaning in it was fantastic. But as they're walking into this fight club, did you guys notice that a black widow was fighting an extremist soldier dude? Like, I I noticed the extremist person. Um, I didn't notice Black Widow until maybe the second time I watched. I saw this movie twice, you know, because I needed mm-hmm. to support this fantastic movie. But um, I read online that there was like a widow in there and a, that widow was actually in the Black Widow movie. She was one of the widows in that. So I thought that was really cool. And the fact that Abomination showed up, you guys, what the what is going on between Wong and Abomination? And also, why is Wong calling him by his first name, Emil? Like what it. What could possibly be happening with that? Wong is the Listen, homie. If you think about, if you think about it, how many years is this from Hulk? Like, this is post blip. That's true. Like, you know, Abomination got to eat. Yeah, <laughs> he's got to make some cashola. Is that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm very curious about that. But also the mid credit scene, you guys. We got Captain Marvel with long hair and we got Bruce Banner in human form, no longer Professor Hulk, having one of my other favorite interactions where Cap goes, oh, sorry, I have to take this. Bruce will give you my number. And he's like, I don't actually I don't have her number. She does. She does this a lot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's so awkward. He's so good. Yeah. Like being awkward. That. I was pretty surprised by their appearance. Like, that was really nice because I really liked how they kind of closed it in to say, like, you know, even Wong blatantly looks at them and says, like, your lives are about to change, you know, and Bruce welcomes them to the circus. Like, what could have, what other, I mean, like, did you guys think we were missing any cameos? You think those cameos were perfect? Oh, and of course, Trevor. Like it's technically a cameo, which I thought was. Yeah, cool. I know that you you kind of talked about how there were some posters or maybe pamphlets or something about like post blip. Yeah. Like therapy or something. Yes. I I almost wish there was more talk about it, but also I don't know technically when this is post blip. Like, is this a month after the blip? You know, gets reversed or or what have you. Right. Um. But I was pretty. I was happy to see it. I didn't catch the Black Widow. I was sitting right next to when he goes. That was one of the extremist people. So like, I figured (laughs) that one. Um. (laughs) And of course, like Abomination and Wong was like center stage. But um. Yeah, I I thought it was good. It tied into an overall universe. I think one of the benefits that the MCU has at this point is. The fact that while we generally know the time frames, right, like obviously post blip and stuff like that and, you know, other movies being, you know, obviously before Infinity War, is that because it's, you know, general enough that we don't know when things are happening, they can play with those cameos, right? Because obviously, you know, you know, I'm just going to point it out, the next, you know, the next next major movie coming out being Spider-Man No Way Home and that that is quite a big possibly nationally you know warranted news piece of saying this is who the spider-man is and obviously Mm. we you know there's no kind of indication that this has spread to san francisco not to say that it needs to have but because of that we don't know if these movies are taking place at similar times nor do they need to be right because these could be like a week apart right like this like the events of Shang-Chi can be like the week before the events of what happens in Far From Home and No Way Home. So the fact that they are able to kind of play with the timelines, I guess, helps them with the fact that we don't necessarily require cameos. But I think the cameos that do show up are those nice nods to say, hey, be on the lookout for this, right? Because we know we're going to get a a Marvel 2, right? Like that's happening. We know 
probably Bruce Banner will be involved in the future, right? I mean, his arm was in a sling, so obviously he was hurt in some fashion, but he he will show up again. And, you know, Wong obviously will show up in the next Spider-Man movie. So I think they're being choice with the cameos, and I think that's their benefit to say, we. I don't need to see every other MCU character in every MCU movie, right? Because they are handling their own problems, and it is when there is this you know, global threat, right? Like, which, you know, low-key I hope is Galactus, but, you know, who knows? But when that, you know, global threat comes to threaten Earth or even the universe, right? Because apparently it's not just Avengers, but we're like, I don't know if they have a group name for defending the whole universe, but, like, when that happens, that's when we'll get everyone together again so we can have that, you know, co-op powwow hour or two. So we've talked all about we've had a really good discussion but i feel like you can't really talk about the mcu without talking about where something is ranked and i just this might be really difficult and we can get specific or as non-specific as you like i just want to throw some objective truth at you guys you guys ready for some truth alex looks ready for some truth right now rotten tomatoes gives us a 92 percent so if that stays steady, which that's a great score, if that stays steady, it actually ties for fifth place in the MCU based on Rotten Tomato score. It'll tie with Spider-Man Homecoming and Guardians of the Galaxy um, for fifth place, which I think for me, and I'll just go first, I think that's probably close to where I would rank this. This Like there's how many movies? Like 25. Mid-20s? It's 25. Yeah. Shang-Chi's number 25. So exactly mid-20s. Excellent work, Matt. Um <laughs> I think, you know, this, of course, is going to be top half for me. And I think it's closer to the top half of that top half. So top 25% in my mind. Uh, this was a great origin stories. Honestly, probably my f- one of my favorite origin stories. I think Black Panther for me might be my favorite origin stories. Uh, but I still think Shang-Chi is the best movie I've seen all year. And this is a great feeling because I think Eternals and Spider-Man both have a chance to be just as great and i hope they do uh but let's let's just kick it to you tiffany where do you have shang chi ranked top six i think top it's six. like my number six I okay think. Well, just just for our purposes and for the audience who's your top six so my top six number one is infinity war number two is thor ragnarok number three is endgame Number four and five is Spider-Man Homecoming slash Civil War. Those are kind of like intermingled. Interchangeable. Yeah. yeah. And then number six is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I love it. And Excellent. to be honest, if I see it again, when I see it again, not if, but when I see it again, uh, you know, it comes out on Disney Plus in 45 days from release of September 3rd. Uh, I It might go, maybe it might kick off. It might become part of my top five. I don't know. Nice. We'll see. Because, I mean, a freaking eastern water dragon, the fact that this thing showed up and actually participated in a battle, it wasn't like, hey, let me empower you with some mystical force and be on my yeah. way. She was fighting alongside everybody. Like, I and it, can't get it. It wasn't super campy either. Yeah. Like, like you, it didn't look cheesy or anything. No. Nope. Like, it looked really good. Yeah. I, I Come on. What's better than that? All right, Alex, where you got it? Number three, 
Number three. Wow, you guys came prepared. (laughs) I just threw this on you guys. I did not have you prepared at all. Matt, I'm Um, always thinking about MCU rankings, okay? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Well, during this MCU rewatch, I'm actually ranking every time. So I'll let you guys know where Shang-Chi happens when I finally get to Shang-Chi in like probably 45 days. (laughs) So number three, Alex, who are your number one and number two? So I know this is going to be very unorthodox, but that's because the type of stories that I enjoy are very specific. And I can back up why these are number one and number two. Okay. Number one being Ant-Man the Wasp. Excellent. Number two being Captain Marvel. Wow. Okay. And I did th- not expect that. <laughs> and this is because for me, you know, the, the two types of stories I like the most are, and as these, you know, three movies portray are, one, number one, I really love family stories. And so this is why Shang-Chi is number three for me. There's a lot of heart here, right? Like the deepest relationship you can have, I think, is family, right? Like there is literal, you came out of your mother's gina and (laughs) you you are birthed from the seed of your father. And like, obviously you're gonna have a brother or sister maybe, unless you're only child, then you know, I'm sorry if you're only child, but like the fact that it is a family story is so meaningful, especially for me, right? Like I'm closest to my family. Like they, like my family is the people I, you know, care for the most in my life. And so that, like that anchor of the story is what carries Shang-Chi a lot for me. How it's like so meaningful, right? It's like the loss of a family member, the loss of another family member, the, you know, strength, the will to continue without them. And also just like, restoring a kind of broken relationship with another family member, right? Like so many things that like, these are bonds, right? Familial bonds are the strongest. And then the, on the flip side of that, you know, still relying on bonds, right. Is the type of, you know, buddy cop movie, right? It's like both, you know, Ant-Man, the wasp, you have Ant-Man, the wasp, like in the title, it's right there. And I think obviously there's a little bit of romance there, but for the most part, it is that dynamic duo, kind of composition where they're both handling their own problems, but they're both trying to move forward from that. Right. Mm-hmm. And also Luis, right. Luis is there. Amazing character, you know, got like, Fantastic. right. Yeah. Be- better than Katie, you know, obviously so much better than Katie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then a la, like with Captain Marvel, Danvers Fury. What a combo. Those yeah. characters, like you don't think that they would work well together, but when you watch Captain Marvel and you see, they're kind of like alien slash, you know, earthling, like, you know, combination. And obviously, I guess Danvers is also a human, but, you know, she's yeah. basically an alien at this point. Yeah. Uh, and just seeing her, like, learning, like, what's up and what's not up and just also kind of her interacting on this planet. Heck, the movie start or doesn't start, but it has Blockbuster in it, right? Like, what a quintessential, <laughs> like, That's Earth. True. Yeah. Earth thing, 90s right? thing. And then she's just like, what the hell? Where the hell am I? I crashed through the roof. And now I'm like standing next to this cardboard cutout of, I don't remember what the cardboard cutout was. But you know, Listen, it's still blockbuster. It's still a thing in Alaska. There's that one. Yeah. Lag blockbuster. Uh, the lag bus- blockbuster on Earth. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just like, yeah, those two buddy stories are just so fantastic. And just the way the characters are able to play off of each other, especially in showing even the actor chemistry, right? Of just being able to play that off well. So those are that's why those are my top three. So not going to be a surprise to anyone who has listened to the podcast. Peer review. Our name is Recommended Experiences Podcast. I want to know. 
I don't think I'm going to be surprised here, but I still want you guys to verbalize it. Do you recommend this experience? Tiffany, last thoughts and your recommendation. 100% recommend this movie. Every time someone texts me, oh, I liked it, I literally respond, oh, you misspelled loved. (laughs) 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 This movie is so good. I 100% agree about the family bonds. I love, love, love the family story. You know, the depiction of Wen Wu, even as an Asian dad, I saw things that were so relatable. You know, him going off on the whole story about the Mandarin at the dinner table and the whole, the kids are just sitting there like in silence, like letting dad go off his rant, like totally relatable. Like this movie was so good. The, um, the, the aspect of even like the small thing, the small touches of zooming in on Shang-Chi taking his shoes off when he enters the home. Like it's, if you're an, an Asian person, you need to watch this movie. Everyone needs to watch this movie, but especially I think a lot of Asian, uh, young Asian kids, I'm so excited for, for them to see someone like them on the screen that can be a superhero. I love it. Recommend it. Alex. Yeah. I mean, what a strong start to the next phase of the MCU, right? I don't know if this is like the official strong like it's not. start. It's not. Spider Man Far not. From was Home it? was the start. Oh that Oh, that was the start yes. so two years yeah. ago? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. What a great follow up to that movie <laughs> and continuing this current phase of the MCU. But hundred percent I recommend it. And even if you're, you know, you're being cautious and you don't want to see it in theaters, it'll be on Disney Plus services starting October 18th. So in case you're a subscriber to that, you can see it for free on that platform in the comfort of your own home. But yeah, overall, I I really, you know, based on the conversation we just had, yeah, I, I, there's very little things I think that will displease you. There's a lot of fun lines, a lot of great action. I love the Ten Rings, right? We always talk about Shang-Chi. Remember, don't forget about the Ten Rings. They're legendary, okay? <laughs> there's there's ten of them. Yeah, there's ten of them. But they're not. But they're rings, but in this case, as Matt said before, they're like bracelets. They're not yeah, like exactly. rings anymore. So. But in any case, 100% recommend it. See it when you can. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think this is one of the best movies, of course, in Phase 4, but... Honestly, one of my favorite origin stories overall, and just even going beyond MCU, I think it's a really strong uh, start to Shang-Chi's story. Um, I am very happy to hear, uh, you know, Tiffany kind of talking about representation and like uh, Paris Lilly, who's a guy that I follow on Twitter. Um, he is an African-American guy, and he, he basically said like he's excited um, for Asian Americans to kind of get the feeling that he did when Black Panther released. And like to me, as a white American. Um, I'm happy that this is actually happening um, because everybody wants a superhero that can they can look to and be like that person looks like me or that person you know they can aspire to be. Um, so I love that portion of it. But even beyond that, um, this is just a really good movie. It's a good movie, great plot, great uh, protagonist and antagonist, and something that I'm excited to watch again. And I don't know if I can wait 45 days before I watch it a second time. Um, and there's not many movies in the MCU that I can say that. So I am excited for the next part, which is probably going to be Eternal. Well, for MCU, it's going to be Eternals and then Spider-Man. And, you know, peer review is going to keep going. You know, all three of us recommended this experience. And we're going to be doing peer reviews for Eternals and for Spider-Man. 
and probably Witcher this this holiday season. If there is anything else that you guys as the audience want us to look at and give our recommendations, please reach out to us on our Twitter, our RXP underscore podcast, or our Gmail at rxp.podcast at gmail.com. But until next time, go watch the movie and have a great day.